Hey there, Timmy Manor here. Welcome back to the Spirit of Sport right here in 1170 SEN. Joining me tonight, like it does every single week, it's Benjamin Thanks, Little. Thanks, guys. So yes. good to be here. One of Thank your you. Club today. No, I appreciate You're always that. everyone else. Yeah. Hey, we've got a good guest today. We, we've, we've had some, a good run of sports chaplains talking about what they do in the sporting world and the impact that can make. Uh, I love what we're doing today in terms of we're stepping outside the rugby league world. Oh. Uh, our special guest this week, he's a man who is trusted to lead, mentor, and help guide the lives of professional cricketers on a daily basis. Yes, he is. I'm also excited to have someone that's been around the traps for a while, yeah. Artie Shepard. Artie, thanks for joining us. Bring it on. Woo! I'll applaud you. Oh, mate. Oh, Welcome. So good to be here with you. Welcome. Uh, now, let's, let me get this straight to the resume. You're working with the Australian Cricket team, is that right? Which cricket team are you working uh, with? with? With some of. So I'm officially on the Chaplain Ball Queensland Cricket and Queensland, the yeah. Brisbane Heat in the Big Bash. Nice, yep. Uh, I'm also the chaplain for a number of the, uh, the Aussie players um, and other players around the world as well from other nations. Okay, so Queenslander. Let's just end the interview right now. <laughs> oh, you're so uh, come, <laughs> on, come on. I'm joking, I'm joking. Come on, mate. Like, I just, it's just still a sore sport. Uh, Sore point, yeah. When you spend eight years losing Origin, um, well, it'll it'll be a sore point for a long time to come. <laughs> oh, there we go. See these arrogant Queenslanders. Oh, no, gra- no grace, no grace. Themselves. <laughs> Mate, how, how how do you get involved into sports chaplaincy? Uh, yeah, so uh, my first introduction to it was uh, I was leading a church in Melbourne, and someone. Uh, approached me from Sports Chaplaincy Australia. Um, our, our church was supporting them. Mm-hmm. And that was the first that I'd heard about this whole world of sports chaplaincy. Um, and so initially it was just through, um, you know, taking an interest in what was happening and looking for ways that we could support that as uh, from our church. Um, but then when we moved back to Queensland, um, I was asked if I'd be interested in being the chaplain for Queensland cricket. Now I, I love cricket. I'm a I'm a cricket nuffy, cricket you, tragic. Your son yeah. plays um, cricket, is that right? Yeah, my, my son plays cricket. He's, he's quite he's good, I hear. But there's, yeah, yeah, he is. He is. Um, so uh, there was this opportunity. Um, so you know, I put my hand up for it. Um, but at that particular time, Queensland cricket went through a bit of a, a major upheaval structurally. And so they said, look, we don't even want to talk about having a chaplain right now. Um, and then it just was a slow burn. Uh, it was one of those things where, you know, it was kind of through uh, meeting this person, meeting that person, and just very slowly building some connection. Um, so my introduction was through one of the players who was a, uh, he was a Christian guy, um, who had recently moved from another state to Queensland and um, uh, someone, a a mutual friend, arranged for us to have a coffee. And he said, look, why don't you just come and drop down to training? Uh, Because I said to him, I'd love to be the chaplain if that's something that could even open up. Uh, So he said, well, just drop down to training. But, you know, anyone can come and have a look. Uh, So I very awkwardly for the next uh, several (laughs) weeks just kept turning up to training and uh, being virtually the only person standing there watching. Nice. Uh, and all these, all these guys looking at me like, who are you? What are you doing here? Right. Um, and it was just being willing to be awkward and, yeah. and over time build some connection. Yeah. So I, love, cool. I love it when doing that pays off. Because when it doesn't, yeah. it's so challenging. 
<laughs> exactly. So uh, you know, like I had I had conversations with uh, some of the the key stakeholders at the time. This is eight years ago, um, and yeah, I met the guy who who was the performance manager at the time. Great guy, uh, but he said, "Look, we we honestly we don't think we want a chaplain." Um, We've had some bad experiences at different times, and we really don't think we need you. We've got enough support in place. And I said that's cool. I'll just. But, it, but he said, happy for you just to kind of be around. Uh, just stay out of the way. And so yeah, yeah. Uh, I said, well, I'm hoping over the next little while I can change your perception. Um, and it was that same guy who then, uh, about three years later. Um, he introduced me to somebody and said, hey, have you met Artie? He's our chaplain. And so it was like a, a big turnaround. Uh, right. It took three years, though. Yeah. Yeah, he's it. And I, I love the patience. And I use George Danzi at Parramatta as an example with chaplains. You know, he never, he never came knocking the door saying, I want to be a chaplain. But he spent years just being there for people, being around, never asking for anything. We had a chaplain at the time, to be honest. And the chaplain who'd been there for 20 years, eventually, um, legend, Jeff, he ended up leaving. And when he left, um, Jared Hayne and I went to the, the team and said, we'd love George to come in because, you know, we we're comfortable with him. We trusted him. And he he just mm. proved himself over over a long time. And I feel that's a common mm. theme with a lot of chaplains. They, it's that patience, just that chipping away, uh, you know, unassumingly just helping out and being there for people. And then when the door opens, uh, people are so warm to have you involved in an official capacity. Um, that's right it, it, it just takes time and you know they're so used to having people uh, rush in and want to be involved or want to help and then when it gets too hard or it gets too awkward or it's taking too long they disappear yeah and they've seen enough of that so you know that was my commitment I made to them I said look I'm I'm going to be here for the long haul and so I'll just keep turning up and doing whatever I can um, and then, it, like you said, it did pay off. Uh, it took a while, but it but it paid off. Mate, from being a pastor um, and supporting chaplaincy, um, and actually getting into the role and on the grass on the grassroots, what have been some of your standout observations of um, you know being in the saddle of the, that role? Uh, observations? Yeah, like standout um, things that you wouldn't have realised before. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think the just the vastness of the opportunity uh, and the the openness. Uh, so, you know, sporting clubs in Australia really are the the Aussie version of of a church. It, it's it's its own community. Uh, it's you know, people are very involved. They're, they're volunteering. They're they're just heart and soul into it. Uh, and this is from grassroots right through to the elite level. Mm. And so just the extent of the opportunity, uh, when, you know, from a, a, a faith or a Christian point of view, th there's a lot of parts of society that uh, Christian influence, you say, is kind of being sidelined a little, or maybe it's not particularly welcomed in, in some parts. Mm. Uh, but sporting clubs are welcoming us in with open arms because they see the benefit of having people who are just there willing to to serve, to volunteer uh, and provide another layer of support. And so, you know, there's something, I uh, forget the number, it's in the thousands of sporting clubs who are actively asking for 
sports chaplains to step up and get involved with them. That, that's probably the first thing that really surprised me. Yeah. Um, just the, the opportunity. And culturally, I feel, you know, a lot of friends in America, they they talk about chaplaincy and how prevalent it is over there. It's a, just a big part of their culture. Like, it's it's just normal. And mm. I'm sure you'd be aware of how big it is over there. I think Australia's come a long way. Um, yeah, we've had a few chaplains talk to us over the last couple of episodes about their history and you know, we've had some real veterans on the show. Um, but it's come a long way from what it used to be. And like you, you mentioned earlier, kind of that, that awkwardness of being involved and, and then you know, people wondering what you're doing there and um, you know, may, maybe not making you feel overly welcome. But I feel like now it's at a point where um, you know, people's faith is a lot more embraced um, and people understand the importance of chaplain pays because it's not just about um, you know, being there for someone's faith. It's actually, you're almost in a way a counsellor for a lot of people. A lot of people that when they're, when they're going through a rough time, which happens a lot throughout your sporting mm-hmm. career, they need someone to speak to. And a lot of people, and a lot of times, you, whether or not it's warranted or not, you can't always trust staff at a club because, you know, if you're going through a tough time, the last thing you want is your coach to know that you're struggling. Um, mm-hmm. And if you lean on someone in your in your coaching staff or a physio, like, a lot of times they could be obliged to tell the coach what's going on in your personal life. Um, yeah, that's that's right. And you guys, so you, as a chaplain, you, you fill that spot there. But you, they can trust you. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. You know, we, we sit outside of the official structures Yeah. Uh, because we're there as a volunteer. And that's a big difference between what we do in Australia compared to even in, you know, you mentioned chaplains, sports chaplains in the States, mm. uh, where often they're employed members of those clubs. Uh, but here, as volunteers, we sit outside of that, and other than you know mandatory reporting requirements, uh, we are a safe place to talk to. And so, uh, the way I describe myself, and I, I describe myself the same in my my new role I've just taken on as chaplain with Queensland Police, is that I'm like think of me as a spare tire in the boot of your car. Um, yep. You know, you don't really think about your spare tire. I mean. <laughs> Tim, Ben, when was the last time you actually thought about the spare tire? <laughs> I, I can't tell you. I remember when I did that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It, it's probably flat. Yeah. Um, so think of me or, or your chaplain as the spare tire in the boot that you really don't give a second thought to until you have a blowout or things get a bit flat. Yeah. Uh, and then you go looking for your spare tire. So basically that's the role that we fulfill. We're, we're there maybe not being, you know, even a lot of attention being paid to or you're not maybe even doing a lot of real hands-on pastoral care. It's just relationship building and credibility building. But then when you need it, you're available and ready to be called on. Yeah, it sounds like you're um, you're committed to fully like sewing in and and serving uh, the staff and the, whoever you're, you're dealing with at the time. How do you... Mm take care of yourself while you're giving out so much to others? Yeah, sure. Um, it's a good question. I had a guy ask me that yesterday. I was oh. doing a funeral for um, a police officer who died on duty. Oh. And uh, one of the guys said to me at the wake, he said, every time I meet one of you chaplains, you just always seem so happy. And you don't seem like you've got a problem in the world. Oh. And you just say to us, Give me all your problems, like dump it all on me. Mm. He's like, you guys have to have problems as well, for sure. Um, and it's true. I mean, you know, we're all dealing with stuff, but then you're also dealing with just the the weight of things that you get told from time to time or the, the journey that you walk through with people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So making sure you've got those own supports around yourself and the same principles that you would encourage someone that you're coming alongside to have in place, you know, uh, making sure they've got healthy connections with people, making sure they're, you know, they're processing, they're debriefing if they need to debrief, um, having the, the normal routines of life that just help you stay grounded, uh, having your, you know, keeping a good perspective and um, keeping things in right priority, all those things you'd tell someone else, mm. you've just got to apply that to yourself as well. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, you have to realize that I can't control what happens and I can't make someone else better or well or whole or whatever it might be. I, I can just play my part and, you know, ultimately the responsibility rests with them but I'm going to do what I can, but I can't carry the 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 weight of that. Yeah, yeah, mate. That's that's so well said. I love the way you summed that up. Is um, if you look back with your time in sport, is there a highlight, a career highlight that you look back at, it, or a game, or a season that you think GW is special to be part of? Mm. Uh, for me, absolutely. Um, probably two. Uh, so there was one season, uh, a couple of seasons ago with Queensland Cricket, um, where one of the players um, talked to me about, you know, could we do some kind of a, a discussion session over lunch with any of the players that would be interested to talk about the bigger things of life? Because the motto for the Queensland Bulls was uh, better, better men make better bulls. So Love it. Yeah. Uh, it was all about you know becoming better people. You know it was Justin Langer, and I've been privileged to have a lot of conversations with JL. You know his whole character over cover drives kind of philosophy, yeah. and so we threw it out there to the players, got the, the coach's approval uh, to use one of the rooms and put it on the player management system, and so we just threw out there. Anyone who's interested, um, you know, we're going to put on lunch. And we're going to talk about life. We're going to talk about life and values and your purpose and who you are. And to be honest, I thought you know maybe three or four players might turn up. Uh, right. And basically the whole squad came and kept coming oh, awesome. uh, every week. And this went on for weeks and weeks. And leading this conversation with these guys through you know, the, big, the bigger picture questions of life, uh, away from the cricket field, who are you and how do you deal with the stuff of life? Uh, where do you base your personal value system? Where do you, what's your life built on? Uh, how do you get a, a sense of purpose for who you are beyond cricket? And, you know, we have some of these young superstar players sitting there saying things like, I've never had to think about this before. No one's ever asked me these questions. This is like, like I'm really struggling to answer because I, I've never had to think about it. Uh, and to go on that journey with them was just, it was such a privilege to be a part of. Yeah. And it really opened up a whole lot of relationship and a whole lot of credibility as well. And I felt really privileged to sit there in that room week after week and be able to have those just real conversations with yeah. these guys. Uh, so, so that was one. I had probably the other uh, highlight uh, game-wise um, would have been the most recent Big Bash season when the Brisbane Heat were languishing in last place <laughs> and they just got on a run. They came from nowhere and you know, stormed into the final 
against the the Perth Scorchers, who are virtually unbeatable at yeah. home. Um, and to be a part of that in some way, like just to to be part of the environment. So uh, every home game at the Gabba, uh, I was invited there by the by the CEO to be you know in the the chairman's lounge and so on with them and he started to talk about me being their lucky charm um (laughs) and you know he'd introduce me to all the sponsors and all the partners and so on uh at the start of each game and say oh this is Artie he's our chaplain now Artie we really need some divine intervention tonight so I hope you've been praying you know all that sort of stuff (laughs) exactly exactly so you know again it was just a great opportunity to be a part of and to witness some of the excitement in the back room and the behind the scenes as the team went on this incredible run, missed out heartbreakingly in the end. Um, and then to be able to have some conversations with some of the players afterwards, just how they were processing and dealing with that intense disappointment. So that's probably a couple of things that were a real highlight last couple, last few years. Have you had an opportunity to deal much with the athletes' families? Yeah, that's actually been one of the surprising opportunities. So, you know, when you go and sit at a game and you sit in the family section, uh, which is where I I try to sit as often as possible, um, I've been able to build connection often more with the family even than with the players. Because the players are there, they're doing their thing and they they tend to be, you know, they're in game mode and they're fairly siloed. Uh, So to be able to build connection with parents and siblings and partners, uh, even grandparents. Um, I've had some brilliant conversations sitting in the stands uh, with them um, that have then been able to open up into other things as well that have you know, branched off into caring for them in different ways, uh, completely away from the cricket world, uh, but looking out for the whole family. Um, and then being in, invited to do things like now, the pre-marriage counselling uh, or weddings for you know, players and their families. Yeah. Um, you become part of the whole bigger community, the, the bigger family of the club, and that's a real privilege. Yeah, that's awesome. Mate, the the sport is different to, I guess, other sports in that. There's a bit of free time there um, during the game. Actually, a lot of mm-hmm. free time when your team's out there batting. Um, is are you? Do you have access to... I guess the players during that time to um, yeah chat when they're on the sidelines or are they usually focused? What's the what's the environment like during a game? Yeah, well, it depends on the type of game. Obviously, a, a Test match or a Sheffield Shield match, there's a lot of time, um, and so you know, again, they when they're in game mode, it's pretty well it's all locked down quite a lot. Uh, they've got so many support staff and all that sort of thing around. You really want to try to not be in the way, but I, I do. Again, that's where I try and sit, you know, where the family members are, and then um, get to have quite a lot of sideline conversations. So just on the on the boundary lines there, uh, when players are, you know, they're in between, they'll go off to the practice nets, and then they'll they'll come back and rejoin the group or whatever they're doing, um, and try to be quite intentional about just at least touching base and having those conversations mm. um, and then sometimes it's more it's away from the game itself so it's pre or post um, where I'll often meet up and have you know breakfast or coffee or something with with some of the players um, particularly when they're 
uh, guys from overseas who are touring here and they're away from home, they've got all that stuff going on. Uh, so there's quite a few of them that I'll, I'll meet up with um, regularly when they're in town. You mentioned you've got a new role with Queensland Police. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, that was really unexpected. Um, so this opportunity came up and I wasn't even sure if I really wanted it. Uh, but the more I found out about it, the more I thought this is just a phenomenal opportunity to have real-world influence uh, outside of the walls of of church life, which I'd mostly worked in for a long time. Mm. Um, and so I'm, I am, as of this moment, I'm literally uh, in my third week as the chaplain, and I've got about 1,500 police officers to look after, plus their families plus uh, about 300 recruits at the police academy, um, 21 police stations, um, and it has been a baptism of fire. Wow. It's, uh, so second morning on the job, I was on my way to the office, and I got a phone call from one of our um, superintendents letting me know that sadly one of our officers had died on duty the night before. And so that was second morning on the job. So it was just straight into it. And we did the funeral uh, yesterday, and man, that was just an honour to be a part of. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got the pipes and drums, and the police dogs, and the buglers, and and it's a it's just so many moving parts to the ceremony, and the police commissioners there, and and you know, it was an amazing experience to walk through that with the family, um, come alongside them, and help guide them. Uh, but also to work with the, the men and women of the police service and uh, to help guide them through that. Um, it's just, it was an incredible honour. Hey, I've I've got to know a lot of police officers over, the, over my time and um, you know, we had a couple of work at our club as well. Police officers, uh, military um, workers, as well as athletes, they've got a lot of similarities. I know they, mm. they're different, but they've also got a lot of similarities in that they in, in an environment where they're a lot of camaraderie you're in the trenches together. Um, you know, you've spent your whole life being told what to do, where to be, what to wear. And then you're out on your own. And a lot of, um, I'm actually good friends with Nick Kiotis, who's doing a, a, a Royal Commission to um, military suicides. And, mm. you know, I know it's obviously, a, you know, a lot more um, emphasized in, in that world because they see and, and experience a lot more uh, than an athlete would. But police officers, they, they, they go through a lot of similarities that an athlete would go through in terms of the ups and downs. Uh, how do you find the, you know, the correlation and the similarities between the two industries? It's been brilliant to be able to call upon what I've learned from dealing with high-performance athletes in the conversations that I've been able to have just in the last couple of weeks with police officers uh, because it, it's the same principles. It's a high-performance environment. It's a high-pressure, highly focused, highly disciplined environment. Uh, they've got all kinds of external pressures on them. Um, and so to be able to call on those same principles of uh, you know, how uh, an, an elite athlete would be uh, processing something and dealing with it and to be able to talk through that with them, it's instantly relatable. Yeah. Um, and you know, as a as a brand newbie into the service, uh, to be honest, it's been very helpful in building bridges uh, to be able to say, uh, you know, I'm also a chaplain for Queensland Cricket and the Brisbane Heat. 
uh, and some of the, the Aussie players and so on, it, it, that's helped to build instant credibility. Uh, and then it goes the other way as well, where it's been helpful to outside of that and with some of the sports people I've been speaking to, to uh, for them to know oh, I'm a chaplain for Queensland Police because each one thinks, okay, well, if that's the case, you must be all right then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it, uh, it kind of crosses over quite well. Mate, I think it's um, it's just an area that so many people are, are starting to understand the importance of it. Um, there's, uh, we speak before with um, when it comes to performance, whether it's police officers or athletes. There's only a small gap between the elite and and you know the rest of the pack. So when you're talking about cricket, mm. you know Queensland cricketers, um, you know the gap between them physically and um, you know the Australian cricketers is, is tiny, and and a lot of them obviously end up mm. being Australian cricketers. But I think the chaplaincy, the sports psych, all, all that non-physical stuff that um, affects a human being, they're the things that people will tap into a lot moving forward. I think it's an area that will get uh, a lot more attention moving forward. Uh, have you found that players, um, you know, still, even though you're not involved as much as you used to, still reach out? Uh, yeah, so, well, I'm, I'm still absolutely involved with um, oh, yeah. Queensland Cricket. So I'm still their chaplain. Um and continue on continuing on doing that yeah uh, so yeah absolutely still uh in regular contact uh and one thing I, I really tried to do at queensland cricket as well was make it uh beyond just the players uh so i'm the chaplain for the whole organization so oh, wow. i've i've worked just as hard at building relationships with the office staff uh and the you know the physios or trainers or you know accounts people or whatever they might be uh work just as hard at building a relationship with them as i have with you know the the stars of the team uh because it's one big community um that's mate that's that i love that how do you juggle it all how do you do you know the cricket team and, and your police stuff and all the other things you're involved in it's a great question. Um, it's well, it, it's like with anything. It's all time management. Yeah. I mean, I was I was doing the the cricket chaplaincy when I was employed full time in a pastoral role, um, and so it's no different to that. It, it's just making sure I'm setting the time. Uh, and you know, cricketers are all over the place all the time. They're they're just travelling continually. Uh, they're all over the world. They're playing in different competitions and whatever. And so a lot of the pastoral care is via text, um, yeah. you know, or whatever messaging. So, um, and FaceTime and all that sort of stuff. So just keeping that contact and being really deliberate and intentional about it um, and making sure that I'm, I'm making the time to be there because the more visible you are, the more credible you are. Um, um, no, you know, I, I 100% agree. I think um, you just got the idea in my head now. There's a there's an investment here, Benny. Oh yeah. Pastoral care AI. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Those text messages. <laughs> you just don't jump. They've tried it, mate. It doesn't work. That's something They've you can't. It. You can AI everything. You can't AI pastoral care, mate. It's um, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, you're safe. You're safe. There's a few uh, factory workers that are a bit nervous, but don't worry. Pastoral care is going to be there forever. Mate, we're, we're at the end of the show. Thank you so much for your time. Yes. Thank you for the work you do. Uh, we appreciate um, the time you invest um, in the sport uh, for and the people's lives involved in that sport as well, mate. Grateful for your time, and we wish you all the best for the rest of the season. Cheers, guys. Legend. Thank you. Cheers, mate.